Let's start with Nari and Arabet speaking to the various foot people, because now that you look, there's actually some women in there. Foot folk? Damn it. The staff waiting by the gate, doing their jobs and looking busy because you and Arabet are around. It is a beautiful day, but aren't they all? Always. And uh, you know that picturesque oak that location scouts spend months of their life looking for to film for movies because it's just like a beautiful oak tree by itself on a lawn and has a beautiful vista and that thing is a piece of art and it's been tended for decades. Yeah, he's sitting underneath that. Um, there are no acorns on the lawn, incidentally. Apparently those don't happen here. Count Crimson is due to arrive any minutes to take Ziva hunting. Oh, it's a wonderful day for a hunt. It always is. Always will be. Must be the autumn. Smell that air. Hunting. Has Eve ever been hunting? Not like this, no. Does she even like hunting? Yes, I think this may be uh, an entirely new experience for her. I'm sure she's hunted for bodies in the cemetery after dark. But deer? <laughs> oh, she can reanimate whatever they catch. She'll love it. I actually cackled out loud at that. You know, for nature, this place certainly is sort of boring, eh? I find you sometimes have to make your own fun, yes. Of course, if it mirrors how the, uh, I don't know what you call them, the Faelord or whatever is in charge of this area, I guess that might be Ziva. If it mirrors her mood, at least she's happy. Well, it has lightened up and gotten a lot nicer around here, if somewhat darker and more macabre, since that incident with Juniper the other day. I do appreciate that uh, Ziva is sort of happy, but this uh, this Zuda thing is going to be a pain in the ass. Yes, nobles can be a handful in the first place. Fey nobles, I can only imagine. Well, we've already had a run-in with Crimson, right? We went through the whole swamp. Well, you came through the window, but we came through the lines. And uh, he's a militarized little bugger. Yes. So I met his army on the way in. Seems quite belligerent. With the word belligerent, there is the peal of a horn. And at the farthest end of the long tree lane, which stretches off, down towards the Firth. Like, this place is surrounded by some amazing topiary, and from what you can tell, a labyrinthine hedge maze. Like, you didn't even know what there was in Bailey Mina. But yet, it's here, so it must also be there, based on what you know. And down at the end of this long lane, with trees, beech trees, copper beech trees, with their purple leaves. Leaning up and over, gracefully sheltering the lane from the sun, the light dapples, and you can see a red dot, so red-coated footman, comes jogging up ahead of a now vastly expanding train of people. Yo, how close is the crimson? 
Oh, his lord, his lordship, his lordship will be arriving presently. Um, I'm told to present this to the uh, to the warlock of of House Violet, and uh, he holds out what appears to be a hunting knife. All right. Um, where should I where, where should I um direct the the baggage and, and the staff, sir? I'll wave over uh, one of the uh, the foot folk and uh, have uh, have his people deal with my people. The arrangements are made quickly, and the herald runs back to the body of the approaching train of attendants belonging to Count Crimson. Welcome to Runelanders, the world's greatest curated fifth edition Dungeons and Dragons, a retro futuristic fantasy epic. We've got a style and a sound all our own. But before we get too much further into it, I think now is a good time to mention that it's no coincidence that our logo is a big red R. So before you get too much further, understand that this show contains adult content in the form of darker themes, sexual content, references to drug use, and constant coarse language. Now, we don't beat these topics over the head, but we don't shy away from them when they come up either. We use a fairly robust set of safety tools when recording these adventures. This is yours. Use your judgment. If that sort of thing is your bag, well then, sit back, kick back, chill out, and relax. And as you prepare to lend an air, Dig, if you will, this fractured fable of a felonious fellowship's forays through the suave salons and sinister saloons of Byzantine Bailey Mina, the city of steel and steam. Thrilled with the adventures of this criminal cadre as they climb to notoriety and beyond, will they remain merely outlaws or will they become true villains? Well, I could tell you, but it's more fun if we show you. We're the Runelanders. This is Rapscallion, so get ready, runatics, and let's roll. the next morning. Delilah, you have seen wealthy people's furniture, and stylish furniture doesn't look comfortable. If furniture is truly exorbitantly priced, it is both is at once stylish, avant-garde, and comfortable. And you have rarely had as comfortable a night's sleep as you do in Shakir's room. When you wake up the next morning, you are bathed in sunlight. And it's not like the bad dreams kind of sunlight either. This stuff is coming from outside the room. Delilah stretches and rolls over and looks down to try and figure out why she's asleep with her boots on. Yeah, damn unusual. And uh, them dogs are probably going to be barking when you take your boots off. But, you know, good thing you dress comfortably. Always, unless the role requires something different. There's a little bit of light snoring from out in the other room through the door. Alana does take her boots off and pads out of the room to see what's going on. Very quietly. 
The door swings soundlessly in on well-oiled hinges. The place is immaculately maintained, like I said, expensively. If spartanly decorated, you could dance in clogs on this rug, and nobody would hear a sound. To pad out silently into the other room, and you see that Shakir has left the picture on. And the painting in the frame is an oil depiction, uh, obviously an animated oil depiction, for the Battle of Venado Bay. It's one of these quick, fast, smash, boom action pictures that they paint. You put it on, watch it a couple of times, shut it off on whatever frame you want, right? Normally it's something picturesque. And the newer ones, you can actually change the picture. But, you know, that's Magitek and that's expensive shit. But this one is uh, silently running through like a long sweeping vista of a piece of coastline where you can see like cannon fire. It's a high oblique angle as though from like, you know, as though something were flying above the battle. There's no sound. Shakir has got his boots off. His feet are hanging off the one end of the couch. And he's lost his pillow entirely. His blanket is half covering him across his legs and his lap. There's a hole in the toe of one of his socks and uh, he's snoring with his mouth open. She walk over, he's sleeping blissfully and you can see that like he's he's gotten scruffy overnight. Like a deep shadow. She smiles and tiptoes into the kitchen to make coffee or tea or whatever's there. There is one of these devices like Ursa has and just as incomprehensible to you. Opening up the cupboards, there's uh, like two plates and two cups and two so there's two of everything. One of which uh, is currently in the sink and the other one is in the cupboard. Not a lot of entertaining. All the same, you find a spare coffee mug with a some regimental crest or something baked into the porcelain. It's all chipped and, and abused and that sort of thing. And you manage to find a an old coffee pot and grind up some grounds and with that with an old hand grinder. And by that time, Shakir, you're awake. Somebody's bustling around in your kitchen. Um, well then, given the uh, the the strange dreamlike warning that he got last night. Shakir will, uh, when he wakes up, he will just open his eyes and look around and see what it is. I mean, probably in the kitchen, uh, unless the people supposedly coming for him needed to get their own knives. Uh, probably that's not what's going on here. But still, you crack an eye, realize that. As you sit up and just peek over the back of the couch, you can see there's that uh, little island bar in between the kitchen and uh, where you are in the living room. The uh, sun is rising on the bedroom side, and you can see like there's a lot of sunlight coming in through the those big floor-to-ceiling bedroom windows. Um, but it's still fairly dim on this side of the building and in this room. This is why you're. This is why you put the picture in here, right? Because like in the dim, like. They just look better when it's dim. But anyway, uh, you, yeah, you passed out on the couch. It's all right. You got a bit of a kink in your back. Sit up and look in there. Yep, that's Delilah. She's rummaging through your stuff. So you find your feet, lick the fur off your teeth, and uh, off to the kitchen you go. So, yeah, Shakir will uh, go in and 
I don't know, may deliberately uh, step in a manner that makes some noise. I don't mean, he's not going to stomp or anything, but uh, rather than just say something that could be shocking or frightening or whatever, um, kind of a, a more subtle way of letting her know that he is up and about. Well, it's like when you stand up to stretch as you get away from the, uh, like you stand up and your first impulse, you know, is to stretch. Normally you stretch right out and first thing in the morning everybody does, right? And you yawn and you're not used to waking up off the couch and so you forget the table is there and you stub your fucking toe. And first thing you say is, oh, fuck. And then she knows you're awake anyway. A couple of hobbling steps later, it's not so bad, but it did wake you up right away. That got rid of any lingering sleep in your brain at all. So as he goes in, um, this may, this will probably look strange. Uh, he will make sure that his sword is always within reach. He won't necessarily be wearing it or carrying it with him, but he will always set it down uh, on a counter or a table or something where uh, he will not have to move far in order to get to it. There's a hook under. There's a hook on the side of the cabinets where you do like your your the cabinets where you have a, a counter on top, butcher block sort of counter on top for you know cutting whatever you're cutting, um, and on the end of that, on the end beside the drawers, there's a hook especially designed and placed by you to hold your sword. That way, it's never farther than a step away. Even in the kitchen. Sorry, I never learned how to operate these newfangled coffee machines. I've got some hot water on, though. I understand. And Shakir will go and, uh, I, if he, he, he will motion as if she, does she want him to use the machine or is she fine just doing this the old-fashioned way? Makes no difference to him. She seems to have the prep pretty well in hand, the old-fashioned way, so. Uh, then while she's doing that, Shakir will go ahead and he will get himself a, a glass of water so that he can, uh, if, if nothing else, rinse out his mouth a little bit. Uh, but also because he doesn't deal with the stimulants very much. Fair enough. And as uh, I was just asked... The coffee and the coffee pot are there because Shakir frequently has overnight guests who may expect a cup of coffee in the morning, and he is happy to provide that. Yep. Also, Dugan spends the night quite often, and that whole coffee thing, you know how to run that for him, and uh, and also how to make like a, like a, there's this, this chocolate, this hot chocolate thing. It's, it's actually pretty good. You know, you know how to make it do that. And make coffee for everybody else, but it's, uh, you know, now and then when it gets cold, mug of hot chocolate, look out the window, why not? She glances over at him once there's nothing more she can fiddle with realistically and says, Hey, thanks for putting me up for the night. Think nothing of it. I could hardly send you out in the middle of the night. It says a lot about you that you think that. I am no saint, but I try to do what is right when I can. Saints are a bunch of assholes anyway, Delilah. Nobody wants to be a saint. There's no possible. No. No. The last saint uh, you ever heard of was 
Well, she left her father to swing, didn't she? Revoked his oath in his hour of need. Fuck saints. There's a flicker of tension in Delilah's shoulders when Shakir mentions saints, but she shakes it off and says, you know, if we have to do this again, I can take the couch. I think all of me would fit on it. That is hardly the way to treat a guest. I must only apologize for the state in which my accommodations were. I was not expecting company. Well, then if you come me at, come see me ever, I'm going to need to start apologizing now. I would never presume to come over with the expectation of staying the night. She studies his face for a second and then busies herself pouring her coffee. At this point, Shakir probably like rubs his jaw and realizes how disheveled he must look. Though probably not really, but uh, and so will uh, scurry off to put himself in order. Yeah, he's uh, like when I said he got shaggy overnight, he had a deep shadow in this and that. Other than that, the guy was really well put together beforehand, as described. So, as he excuses himself, comes back from the bathroom, like absolutely no, you live. With Luca. The bathroom is frequently off limits for hours at a time. So much so that you've spoken to Ursa, but perhaps digging her a second one out back. But in almost no time, Shakir reemerges from the bathroom, looking just as put together, but shaved. Cleaner. Slightly, just as shiny. She sat back down at the table with her coffee by that time, by that point, and is staring off out of a window thoughtfully. Make a perception check. That's a twenty-two. Out there, across the sea of clouds, as you look out across the wide open windows, because now that the sun's up, people have woken. She carries turned the blinds on. Is you know to. This view, Delilah, breathtaking, ridiculous. These windows, these high arched windows, floor to ceiling, right? Three of them in either wall and just huge, glorious views of this fur. Well, from this end, from the bedroom, you can see another view. But here where you're looking, this one faces south. Based on the time of day and the angle of the sun, yes, you're looking south. And there, in the distance, on the west shore, west, yeah, it's got to be the west shore, rising above the clouds are two shiny copper domes. Now I would like for you to make an arcana check, please. That's a natural 20, which is good, because that means my total is 20. Copper is a natural conductor of forces such as electricity, heat, and magic. So much so that when something is surrounded in copper, the magic you use to scry on it is diverted elsewhere. It's a great shield against scrying. It occurs to me that Delilah might know if uh, Despard has connections up here or even if his territory is up here, though she doesn't think it is. Or rather, I don't think it is. It's down on the other side of uh, Lost Acre from, or on the other side of Thrasher's territory from Lost Acre. Right, which means that it's on the east side of Old Bailey Mina. 
Copper Penny Row is in Old Bailey Mina, and Despard is approaching from the west. So, yes, that is, if you had to get, you can't see the city. Like, that's, you're looking at things that are sticking out above the clouds. So you have a rough idea where you are, right? You, you came up through the, you came up in the buster, and then up various, you have a rough idea where you are in the city. You'd know how to get back to where, to somewhere where you could find your way from here. But you're not exactly sure. Yet, that looks like the Lower West Side. Just on the north edge, if you had to guess. Old Bailey Mina, Despard's Acre. Around there, yeah. Not too far off. Then I'm going to amend slightly. Instead of seeing Delilah sitting at the table when Shakir reemerges, uh, he sees her rehiding all of those daggers she took off last night. Okay, so Shakir, when you come up to the table, Delilah is getting ready as though she's preparing to leave. There's a little extra sunlight in the room, too. Yeah, that's weird. Normally it comes in from the east at this hour of the day, and like there's no windows in that wall because it's an internal wall. So where's all the sunshine coming from? Probably just off your mirror, your bedroom mirror, or something like that. Who can say? So yeah, when he comes back, um, oh, uh, are you leaving already? May I offer you breakfast? I think I see where they're keeping Ursa. I see. I, you're right. I. You have your own debts to pay there, but see those copper domes? Yes, the the domes on the bank. I do. Those domes aren't sheets of copper. They're a million pennies. Delilah has a few more choice swear words. And that says, yes, those domes. Very well. What about them? I think that's where they've got her. She's somewhere that she can't be scried on too well. And that puts her in about the right place in the city. I feel that complicates things somewhat. Did you say your family was in the money business? Well, they are in business enough that, yes, I suppose at some point they are in the money business. I, I gave that part of things up long ago. But do you think you could still get us in? Roll a charisma save, Shakir. Aw, hell. That's a four. Yep, no problem at all. Anything for that? Yep, sure, yeah, you can do that. You gotta go pick up your monthly check next week. Uh, this, well, why not this week? Well, just I, arrange your money, right? Like, you're, normally all your bills are paid, but then you gotta go in and tell them which markers to pay and how much cash you're gonna want sent. And, uh, it's all complicated. It takes up a whole afternoon. Dugan usually fucking Dugan. But yeah, yeah, you can get her in. It shouldn't be a problem. I believe it can be done, yes. She smiles and it lights up the whole room. And she says, well, then I think we got a heist to plan. Cool. Uh, what do I know, if anything, about the... Uh about the, the scarlet fella himself. And what does he look like? 
Well, good question, because here he comes riding in at the head of his train of servants. And this is a long procession, probably 300 people, all dressed in scarlet and crimson and himself pushes his way to the front about 100 meters from the gates. And to make the appearance of leading the way, he, you know, like he gets there and he straightens himself out and he's wearing this long, beautiful red frock coat and he's this tall satyr and he's got these long, beautiful rack of antlers like a moose. He has hooves for feet and wears beautiful silver shoes. He's a stylish one, all right. And as he swaggers up, you can see that he's got a bow, which he carries like somebody who knows how to use a bow. A bunch of arrows in that same hand and a quiver at his belt. He rides a great red stag with glowing fire-colored dappled spots all along its back. And as he pulls up to the gates, he pulls this stag to a halt and swings his foot over and lands with a... Nope. Quiet as a fly's fart. He walks over and he takes his helmet off, which is cut to expose his face and allow for his beautiful sweeping antlers to arch out on either side. And he's got this long blood red hair. His face is in massive scars and freckles and his teeth are all twisted like they never grew in right in the first place and a couple of them have been bash crooked and healed that way. He walks lightly upon the grass and leaves no footprints with his silver shoes. And as he approaches, he, he walks up and goes, Um, hello, I'm Count Crimson. I've come to take Lady Violet hunting. I understand you've made arrangements. And he's looking at Nari and ignoring Arabet altogether. Well, when he comes over, I will take off and flourish my hat with a giant uh, elaborate bow. Yes, I believe you'll find my household to your liking. I can't wait. Tell me, is, is she ready to go? She's making some final preparations. Uh, shall I have the, the servants look in on her? Oh, well, you can just take me up to the house and I'll, 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 I'd be sure glad to meet her there. Very good, sir, if you'll follow me. So you lead him up to the house and Arabet, you, uh, you see that he's, you know, his stride is purposeful and he's, uh, he's an expert with that bow, right? Does he shoot anything? He's not shooting anything as he goes, but he's walking along armed and looking at things and there's a, a little sparrow which goes flitting across like he's gonna snap a shot out into the air but then he remembers he's here courting right now and the hunting will come soon enough you can see this play across his face like just that instant of bloodthirst and his like everything kind of snaps towards that motion as he brings the bow up ever so slightly Nari doesn't make any indication of noticing this, Bet, but you spot it easily enough. You get to the house, and there, waiting in the foyer, is herself. 
We cut inside the house of Violet, which has changed from a rather swinging bachelor pad to a really, really avant-garde yet still classical mansion in the hedgerows up on the west shore. And there in the front foyer waits Ziva herself, dressed appropriately with a legion of fussers fussing over her and standing laconically at her side is the rigid-backed form of Calder's mechanical prosthesis. Ziva, you've dressed for hunting. What does that look like? She has long black pants tucked into tall boots. She has a beautiful a purple silk shirt uh, tucked into a black hunting jacket and uh, her most of her hair is tucked up uh, under a hat but a lot of it is sort of falling down her back in some braids is it a witch hat Ziva it, it's trying not to be a witch hat but it is really any, any hat you wear is a witch hat really but uh, yes no this one has the broad brim and although you you tried for a sun hat, it's getting a little pointy and witchy. They just all do that. That's what happens to witches' hats. <laughs> it could be a baseball cap. Wear it for a week, and it's a witch's hat. <laughs> and it has uh, a few flowers in the brim of the hat. Like lavenders and indigos, right? And some uh, wolfsbane. Nice. She, Ziva kind of speaks quietly out of the corner of her mouth over to Calder. She says, I'm so glad you're here right now. I wouldn't miss it for the world. So, am I messing with the guy, or are we just uh, smiling and nodding through the whole thing? Oh, I think there'll be a great deal of smiling and nodding, but it is very important that we stay, how shall we say, alert. Okay. While this is court, this might be some of the most treacherous terrain you'll ever have to negotiate. Step wisely. One of the valets who's outside comes running up at speed to the door, um, only to stop and to sl like slow visibly to a walk once he hovers in view of the side windows to the main doors and then speed walks up and uh, with very controlled breath opens the doors wide on that all of the staff in the room just runs for it they disappear in, in less than five seconds the room is empty but for you and caller a moment later, you can see Nari and Arabet walking up the crushed gravel driveway with the aforementioned Count Crimson. Oh, he's cool looking. Do, do I know anything about this guy? Count Crimson was the one who was besieging the Violet Villa when you arrived, however long ago that was. Your internal chronometer says... You are still in the autumn, so 
however long ago that was. <laughs> Fair enough. I really like his look. Well, Ziva, remember, even back home, but especially more here in the dream, things are not always what they seem. In fact, here I would say things are almost never as they appear. Yeah. So, what, I shouldn't be either? All war is deception. And we are at war, dear. Okay. But anyway, that's how you take care of a chimera. My next thing was the demon stag of uh, Brogegrot. I went traveling to the dreams up in the north. Oh, here we are. Well, well done, Warlock, well done. And you, security chief, I'll take it from here. Yeah, I've been just frantically scribbling down notes of all of these genuinely useful and somewhat horrifying tips. Yeah, it's just been tales of murder for the last five minutes as you've walked from the gates to the front door, right? Like, it seems like it's been five minutes. But for some reason, there are at least two hours worth of tales of big macho murder. And I am playing up uh, the, the fanboy angle, too. Sure, and there's, like, absolutely nothing wrong with being... Like, with hunting, hunting, if necessary, is great. But he hunts shit just to kill it, right? That's the main bit. He's not killing something out for sport. He's killing it for honor, you know? That's all he does. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, we get into the the room, I guess, and uh, I'm just sort of following along and just puppy-dogging it up and just laying it on real thick that I'm his biggest fan, and oh my god. Ziva, I need you to make a charisma save. Okay. Ooh, I get to use the fancy dice. Uh, that's an 18 plus 2 with a total of 20. I see that. Good roll. I was not expecting that. Okay, well... It's, um, wow, Zul Grubwild is a great partner. You sure haven't seen him them in a while. Sigh. Hmm, look at that. That's, oh, yeah. He's got these big furry legs and, like, broad hooves and big strong hands and a broad chest, great shoulders and excellent forearms and just looks like he knows exactly what he's doing. He's got like this handsome fave features and elegantly pointed ears, you know, pronounced canines, but they're sexy. And his horns, these long sweeping antlers, long red hair. Fuck, he's good looking. Like you could probably use a clove right now, Ziva, no kidding, but Mm-hmm. She's suspicious of the change. Something about it bugs her. Sorry I didn't get dressed until I just got here. Vicomtes, I am the Crimson Count. I have laid a mighty siege into your villa for longer than I care to remember, and I thank you for your invitation. And with that, it's a big sweeping bow that 
Honestly, it's a good thing you've got some good foundation on, because it's really charming. Hits you in the blood vessels. You're really good at this. Speaking of, uh, can I slip away? Yes. With that, Delilah, you should probably get uh, somewhere that's a little more suited for planning a heist, eh? That was my thought. Um, I know that Luke is going to have the right connections to find the appropriate sort of thing to wear. Because Delilah's pretty sure that her regular leather jacket and pants won't, won't do where she's going. Well, no, especially if you have to get up to the tip top of the building, right? You're going to have to get a look at it and all this other sort of thing. So you're putting your knives away and going to head off to the Bramble and start planning this. And Shakir goes and grabs his cloak and sword and getting ready to go, pulls his boots on. And, you know, you're going to you're on your way to the door. And as you're approaching the door, there's a bing from the doorbell. Shakir, you make the sign to make it to make the door clear, and your sister is standing there with her bodyguards. He doesn't speak a lot of it, but I'm betting he knows how to curse in Akodian. So you turn, yeah, you turn, you, you the most vulgar things you can think of under your breath in the mother tongue, and then when you look back at the door, you can see that one of her bodyguards has an absolutely scandalized look on his face and is looking at the door. This dude is about six foot four um, and just carved out of ebony, right? Wears a very expensive suit, carries the carries his weapons in, you know, very well hidden, expensive holsters. He doesn't look like he's armed, but you know that he is. These guys are from the old country, very expensive mercenaries. They don't look right in northern suits. But such is life, right? Ding! You can see her getting visibly uncomfortable on the other side of the door. Reaches out to ding the doorbell again for the third time in 30 seconds. All right, Shakir will go. And uh, can he... This is an interesting question. Can he talk through the door? Yep. Okay, then. And he will do whatever he needs to do to uh, to accomplish that. And you make another sign, and the door becomes acoustically transparent as well. And you can hear Shakir. I tell you, if you don't answer, if you don't answer this doorbell soon, I'm going to have Mbaka kick it in. Layla, my dear, what brings you here at this hour? Oh, I see. Um, you've finally awoken to answer the door. Let me in, Shakir. I hate standing in the hallway. Very well. And he opens the door and... Well, your sister comes bustling in in this dress that's very haute couture, but still, like, cut to seem traditional, you know? The thing costs more than the person's rent for a year. And she's just wearing it because it's, you know, tabo. And, uh... She comes breezing into your apartment like she owns the place because she does. And... Looks at the place with a wrinkled nose. Ah, oh, Shakir, Shakir. Don't I have a cleaning service sent by to keep this place in order? Mbaka, write that down. We need to send the cleaning woman by 
And when she finishes with bye, she drags the Y out and seems like, okay, Delilah, you have seen every grade of bitch in the world, right? It's a fine art being a bitch. Let's be, let's face it. There are various degrees and some women are much better at it than others. And when done right, it is just as beautiful as any other art form. And you've seen some absolute masters. This, oh, I just see you now move, is pretty well advanced. She's, she's got some skills. She's not you. You have all the skills, of course. Charisma is your bag, after all, but... Yeah, not bad. Delilah just grins, dazzlingly. Literally, this lights up the room. And she... You see her rally. It's subtle, but she does. I see. And this is why you left your appointment yesterday. Uh, actually, no. Uh, another uh, opportunity arose, and uh, I met uh, Leila. This is Delilah Del Rey. Uh, I met Delilah after the uh, the occasion that uh, interrupted my. What? How did you put it? Your appointment, Shakir. Yes, my appointment. With a flawless Barcelona accent, she looks at you and says, Me gusta Delilah. I don't think that I should stay here. For much longer, I have things to do. And so, when you are at your liberty to speak with me, I would like you to visit me in the office. We have things to discuss. Our parents are... And she looks you again. She looks at you again, Delilah. There are wheels turning behind her eyes visibly, without even digging at all. You can see that she is trying to get the measure of you, because everybody does. Most of them don't get past the pretty. It's the best armor you have, to be honest. Delilah bites her lip and looks off into space and sort of. Shifts her weight a little. Deception with advantage. That's a 23. I roll a natural 20, so it's a tie. And it goes to you because you're the PC. But there's a long moment there where you, she's, she's got you. You're doing this innocent bimbet bit. Like, oh, don't worry about me. And he and she's not buying it at all. Eventually she decides it's not worth the fight. Looks her brother up and down and says, perhaps this afternoon she care? Perhaps later. I have a couple of matters that I must attend to. Oh, I can see that you've been attending to matters quite... Yes. I'll see you then. Like that, Of course not. Okay, let's go. And uh, Mbaka gives you a raised eyebrow as he's leaving with a, like, a very appreciative nod after giving Delilah a leer in exactly that bro-dude sort of way. The door closes and is once opaque to sound and vision. And that is the sister that I like. 
as soon as the door shuts, the grin falls off Delilah's face like it was pasted on, because it was. Uh, and she nods thoughtfully. I get that family can be rough. She wants what is best for me. Unfortunately, what is best for me is what she wants. That's exactly it, Shakir. All of your life. It's the only thing that's kept Layla from getting it. Like, thanks, Layla. Really, all of it. Thank you so much. It's great, but... Like, you didn't decorate this place. The only thing that's in here is the picture, because, well, you had money and nothing to do. You just won big at the fights and uh, decided to spend it on something stupid. But everything else in here, she put here. Because your footlocker off in the closet, all of that's yours and earned. That in the picture and your sword and, like, your armor. But the rest of it's just all her and has been since you got back. Honestly, in the last 13 hours, however long it's been since you met Delilah, better than the last five years, honestly. Just the, the fighting, the excitement, the, the trouble, the risk, the fact that you know, she's, she's, she's fucking bad for you, dude. You can tell because there's no way a woman that beautiful is single without a very good reason. There is trouble all around her. Somebody would devote himself, themselves to her, right? Does she have a girlfriend? What's going on with her? And that look on her face that she just pasted on for your sister, which dropped off and then became her face again, like, yeah, complete shift of who she is, but at the same time, exactly who she is. It was amazing to see. It's like she changed straight in front of you and then changed right back and had always been the same. It's, wow. Amazing. But, anyway. Yeah. You, you haven't felt this alive since, well, since the last time you drew a sword in anger. So, yeah. Takes a deep breath. Very well. Shall we? Sure. We can get some breakfast on the way down. I know this great little muffin shop. The camera fades. We rewind to a few days earlier. So the scene opens on the West Pergola, which has been draped in various canvases and silks to be well like a blanket fort outside for lack of a better term well it doesn't look like much ziva you have woven it to be a secure operation center now secure operation center with lots of lounging couches and absolutely no tactical appearance in fact uh, scattered amidst the bowls and platters and plates and remnants of the meal are various notes and scripts, and you're all sitting around well-fed and happy. Arabet, it's, it, this, it's salty, the food here is salty, 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 but like once you get past the salt, actually kind of filling. You're all just sitting there with your feet back and with your feet up, leaning back, Everybody is there, with the exception of Timothy, who hasn't been seen for a couple of days. 
Where is Timothy anyway? I think he's bird watching or something. Last I last I saw. There's a quick flash to a door slamming closed, and then like several bullet holes appearing in it. A white feather goes drifting to the floor from behind the closed door. When it opens again, Timothy peeks out, looks at the green space in the back garden of this house, walks out and closes the outside door of a row house, putting his hands into his pockets. His little white sparrow sits on his shoulder and sings happily as they saunter off down the street. Okay, well, I have to meet with all these suitors and stuff, and we have to make a decision about what I'm going to do. Well, beyond the, the screwing with his army, the other idea that I had uh, about the other nobles would be to not so much, you know, deal with him so much as harness him. Yeah. Okay. Please do. The more the mess we make, the merrier. Can you please make an investigation check with advantage, Nari? That is a 16. Hmm. There's got to be something in here. This contract, these contracts, these compacts and fate bindings and all of the bureaucracies, the deals forged between the realities and the, the code in all of this, all of this legalese and jargon. It's breaking your brain. It's hard to get through. Oh, this place really is Disneyland. It really is. You're going to miss it here, man. This is pretty good. But you got to get this sorted out, right? Say, sister, get your sister saved, and then worry about what it costs later. Hey, Calder. Yes? From where you stand over by the gazebo with the Hulu kids ignoring you, because they frequently forget you're a person now, it's a disturbing habit they've had. In exactly the same way as they overlook Arabet. Arabet, who is looking concerned and flipping through his spell phone to see if there's any sign of a message from Timothy. Not that you expect it would work here, yet he's still doing it. Nari has a book open, a great big fat book, in fact. The Pronouncements of the Violet Vicomtesse. He's flipping through the pages, and you catch out of the side of your mechanical eyes a look at the code on the page, and I want you to make an insight check, please. Sure thing. 16 total. Because the goblins are such persnickety little buggers, goblin is the lingua franca of legalese in fairy. So while you're all peering through this and picking out the odd words, which are in various translations, like you're trying to cross-reference things written in several different tongues, it's confusing. And Nari seems to be making the most sense of it. Now, all of you roll me a d20. I am so mad at myself for not knowing the spell. I got a 16. Uh, I rolled a two. <laughs> I got a one. Ooh, I also got a two. 
Good time you got one of those, Arabic. You guys are bashing your brains out on this, and it doesn't seem to be making any sense. Everybody is arguing, pouring through the proclamations of the violent Vicomtesse, while Arabet waits in a hammock, listening to what they're saying, and like occasionally Nari will be like, Grishnak, and Arabet will be like, no, Grishnak. Oh, okay. Everybody who is focused on the book can make a perception check with disadvantage. Arabet, you're half listening to what they're saying, so you have no penalty. Well, I got 11. Wait. Yes. I got 12. So it's six. Yep. Ziva, you are deeply into this tome. Because now that you're all focusing on it and Nari's reading aloud, you are really visualizing this in your mind. This, it should be noted, is another disturbing thing about being here, and probably why you don't want to be here, is you can't read anything that's written. There is nothing on the pages of your spellbook. No diagrams. Ink won't stain them. All of your spells have been in your memory since you got here. Now, you're good at these. By now, you're fucking wicked with them. You've kept all the spells that you know. You run them over every day. People think you're sitting there staring off into the distance, drinking your coffee and being grumbly in the morning. But no, every day you cast what? Two, three hundred pages of Eldritch Diagrams in your mind to hold the power that you need to. I'm just, that's interesting. Every day. So tired. Before 10 o'clock, Ziva. There's just not enough coffee here. Right? And fucking dress fittings? Are you fucking kidding me? Anyway. Now that Nari and you have worked out a shorthand, he can read and you can picture what he's saying, but it takes all of your concentration. Thea, it's not for eating. You silly. You're not even hungry. I feed you so much, little piggy. Thing with things, is he? You little piggy, piggy, piggy. If she's actually in her full thingness, she's about 30 pounds now. Which is concerning because she was about four ounces when you got her. You're getting so big, my baby. Yeah, if only you could read this. It makes some sense of it. Arabeth, <laughs> uh, where do you think we should adjourn to? Why not right here? There's nobody here. Well, let me just test this assumption, and I'll do my usual move of clapping obnoxiously. Does anyone rush up to... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure servants rush up. Yep. Then we'll get... Dee will be like, oh my god, more coffee. Well, I mean, I, 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 that's, that's the thing. Is like, I, I don't know if they're going to show up. It's a genuine test. It's like, are we alone? Are people listening to us? Because if the servants show up, they are in deep shit. 
because I told them to leave us alone. I'd forgotten we'd asked for some privacy. So thanks for being here, everybody. It's so nice to finally get some time by myself where nobody is poking at me and trying to get another piece of clothing on me. I mean, I thought I loved clothes, but oh my god. We are here but to serve our vegan test. Aha. 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 Uh, good one. Okay, so I have to meet with this Crimson Count, and I'm going to be meeting with him first because he's the guy that's like sieging the blaze. He kind of seems like an ass. He's the worst. Except for Galaglass, who's also the worst. The worst. So, Nari, what do you mean by that? How is he the worst? Other than sieging <laughs> the villa. But, uh, what else do we know of him? Well, he's, he's a recreational murderer. Guy clearly does not understand the meaning of the word no. He's pompous, and I'm saying that. I see. He's an absolute just just ass. He's he's the worst. Like he kills people for fun. He's very dangerous. Hmm. Yeah, so I don't really want to like make him angry or anything, and I don't want to like make make him wanna fight me or anything like that. And there's the matter of the army camped on our literal doorstep. I see. So Arabet, what do you guys all think we should do? Arabet, what would you advise when facing a foe who so greatly exceeds your own strength? Deception. Do you say that as an answer for all of my questions? Well, you know, it works. Indeed it does. Well, the man has an ego the size of well I'm not sure I don't know if I've ever actually discovered the limits of it but <laughs> he should be relatively easy to uh, to flatter that would be easy but like I also don't want to get him too excited Indeed, he seems quite excitable enough on his own. <laughs> that was good, though. I like it. Yeah. I mean, I never know what to do or say around people who have, like, big egos and think they're super awesome. So... That's not really uh, going to be all that hard for me. No, you know, it's going to be very simple because he's not going to be listening to a word you say anyway. Oh, that's true. Like, I don't even really have to say very much. Although, if if she did simply agree with him or tell him what he wants to hear, how handsome and strong he is, I suppose we could hold, hold his attention for some time. That might create mm, an opportunity. For what? Deception. Okay, but, like, who's going to get deceived? 
well, I'll be there with you, and you'll be there with me. I guess that leaves right. one of the other three. Okay. Oh, the army! You're right. Yes. Perhaps someone could slip off and deal with his army while he's distracted with my dear sister. It, like, you could give them, like, wacky instructions. Maybe, or get them, like, doing a bunch of busy work or something. Yeah, as, as I'm saying this, I'm gradually just turning red in front of people. Oh, I see. Now, would he need a retinue? I think he's way too cool. Arabet, how does this plan sound to you? It sounds scribby, actually. All right. Do you, Arabet, would you be able to, like, help with the army part? Or do you want to help me with, like, keeping him busy? Or you might want to have somebody around when you're in the forest with him. Oh, that's true. Great. All right, then. So when I receive the Crimson Count, I and Ziva will hold his attention and make him feel, well, how he already feels, but more. But not too much, because we don't want to get him all, like, ready to, like, thinking that I'm going to say yes. Perhaps I should flatter him. In fact, the more I appear to be just another obsessed toady with his uh, cult of personality, the less attention he'll pay to me. He'll want to ignore the likes of me, one of his fans, a, a mere peasant. Or noble enough, I suppose, but... I must admit, Nari, that's quite an eerie thing to hear coming from me when you look exactly like him. Yeah, could you not? It's kind of grossing me out. Sorry, and I'll just snap back to, to Nari. Just like that, too. Pow. Well, then, we shall receive the Crimson Count. We will dazzle him with our praise and adoration while Nari goes off and makes good with his own army, yes? Erebet, you'll stay close by in case we need to contain the good Count. But uh, I think you guys should also find a way to mess with him while we're hunting. Because you need to make him feel like he's not as good as he is. Oh, perhaps Erebes could keep an eye on us and sabotage his hunt. Oh, yes. Up for the challenge, boys? What are you suggesting? Some beaters? Oh, up. Uh yeah. I just assumed that you would just make it happen. I, I don't really know. As long as he returns from the hunt frustrated and confused, all yeah. the better. And somebody does better than him. It doesn't necessarily have to be me. It just has to be Oh, it should him. definitely be you. But it should totally be me. We'll make it happen. Right then, so we're going to steal an army and fix a hunt, yes? <gasps> that means I get to kill something and bring it back to life, and it's going to be awesome. And then, oops, it ate him. Oh boy, I didn't know that happened. <laughs> Perhaps we could even 
precede the hunt with some undead animals. Oh, yeah. You know, he's probably been out there hunting and killing shit while he's been waiting in the siege, so we could probably just, like, wander out there and find some dead animals to raise already. Pretty hard to kill that which has already been killed, Ziva. Oh, wait. Nothing's already dead here. It's not actually dead. I'm sure there's something in the kitchen. <sighs> kind of. It's more like the idea of death. Right then, I think we have our plan, and it is not too much longer until the good count arrives. Anything else before we uh, begin this game? Ziva gets a little pouty. Darkermans, it doesn't really work here in the dream, and I hate it, and I want to go home. And I miss my soul. The sooner we deal with these fools, the sooner we shall get home. I'm sorry, I just had to get that off my chest. So, I understand the plan then. We babble them with bullshit, and we send them packing. Yeah, we just need to make him feel miserable at the end. We start by making him feel good, and then we make him feel miserable by the end. That sounds awesome. Perfect. I'm simply delighted to be beginning my military career at the head of a whole army. I mean, you never do anything by half measure, do you? Only housework. Ugh, I know. Well, I like this plan. I must admit, though, it is a plan that puts me in a rather elevated position. This is a plan that's easy for me to like. Does anyone have any concerns? Now would be the time to raise them. Well, what are you going to do exactly? What are you going to tell them? What are you going to do in the army? I don't know what armies do. He's going to lift the siege. Disperse the army. And return the warlock of autumn. Is there perhaps uh, another threat I could steer them towards? Well, you know, I'm just thinking about all those cannons. Why not spike them? Perhaps. You may also want to consider simply pointing them somewhere else. It would certainly not be very becoming if it appeared that his troops were attacking another suitor. Yes. Perhaps simply turning the guns oh, yeah. around. Moving the stakes. Turning our besiegers into our reinforcements. Or maybe I'll order them to kill Galloglass. Well, that would be just like super convenient. I do love a plan that involves two lords and one stone. Probably best to keep it simple for now, though. Um, yes, I suppose simply disrupting the army sufficiently with nonsensical and contradictory orders should suffice for now. Yeah, and then while they're not looking, you just turn the cannons around. Indeed. Alright. I promised I would go to that wedding fitting, guys. I promised. How long are they trying to make your train again? I... 
I don't know, but like I keep telling them I cannot carry that much weight off my butt. Come on. Your varying height lately has been a bit of a problem with these things too, right? Like there are times when you're feeling the VCOM test and you're seven feet tall. And then the rest of the time you're just we little Ziva. I gotta these remember things, to be me. Yeah, these things have uh these things have come more and more. Like there are times when you are that seven foot tall fey lady with the beehive full of actual bees that rip that rips out and kills people, and the rest of the time you're the nicest necromantics in all of Baylumina. But yeah, this place is starting to sink into you. And another fitting. It seems like every time they get you there with needles and pins and sewing and snipping, it's easier to get tall and wasp-waisted with that giant beehive. The closer the dress comes to being finished, the more the Vicomtesse is on your mind. Gentlemen, you are alone. Over to you. Gentlemen, tell me, what have you heard about the uh, the Indigo Law? I've heard he fancies himself uh, quite the magician. I don't think he'd like that term. I, I believe Mr. Hulu chose it quite specifically. I have heard the same. I'm... I'm somewhat worried that we, um, I think this, there could be complications with him that we will not face with the others. But I also do propose that perhaps that very hubris would give us our best chance against him. A crimson play? Yes. What does a best wizard do to impress his, I don't know, conquests? Well, Arabet, I know you've been working hard at collecting information. I think I've heard a little rumor about one of his favorite party tricks. Something about a rather public summoning. Have you heard anything about this? Yes, he does it with a flick of the wrist. One minute, no demon. Next minute, demon. Magic, you know, it's wonderful. So, Nari, this flick of a wrist business seems a bit much to me. I, to the best of my understanding, you, you would still have to have something well, prepared for this, no? Yes, I'd imagine you'd have uh, quite a few notes and various supplies ready. I think I, I think I begin to have an idea. But first, Erebet, in your research, um, have you heard of him having, oh, a relationship with those he summons? Uh, I've asked around a bit, and it never seems to be the same, and that seems quite odd to me. Typically, it would be a, well, a bound relationship of some sort and that part I find quite confusing it doesn't seem to add up for me 
Oh, you're seeking consistency in a failure. I take your point, but still, um, well, Nari, normally this sort of thing would be more of an ongoing concern, no? Well, he wants to demonstrate his power, doesn't he? Wouldn't you say that so, Nari? To prove that he's just so good, he can just summon anyone or anything. Yes, yes. The more random, the better, in fact. Oh. So, do you suppose he he knows who he's summoning before he does so, or is that part of the uh, entertainment? Well, wouldn't it be entertaining to him to be able to say, I subjugate hmm, you? Yes, I, I do think so. Nari? Yes? It occurs to me that we are an acquaintance of a demon. Yes. Rummaging through my, uh, my satchel. Yes, I believe I have, uh, his address, or even his card here somewhere. The camera pulls up as the three of you hunch together over a bunch of papers, which are now getting pulled out from underneath seats. As dishes are cleared off by the three of you and just set in haphazard positions, a plan begins to assemble on the table. Count Crimson sweeps up, and he's uh, he's all in red, as you might expect. His face is ruddy, and his hair is like this beautiful, deep, dark red hair. He's not bad looking, and those antlers are impressive. He fixes you, and he gives you a big smile, and you know he's got clean white teeth. Clean white teeth, they're not all straight. They're all there, though. Um, and he fixes you with his deep red eyes. And he's like, My lady, I'm, I'm pleased to meet you. Uh, may I present myself? Barreto, Count Crimson, at your service. And he, he bows deeply enough. She returns a very respectful bow back. It's a pleasure to meet you. I understand we're going hunting. Oh, if you wouldn't mind, all of this courtliness and manners is driving me crazy. And I think it's a real good chance for us to get to know each other. Ziva, can I call you Ziva? Hey, call her. You're standing there. You are standing there reconfigured into Chamberlain mode. I see. Unobtrusively blending into the background. Excellent. Uh, I guess that's all right. Well, you can call me Bert. 
It's not a great name. I prefer Crimson, to be honest with you. But there you have it. Listen, I'm just going to get it out of the way because I hate thinking of two things at once. I love hunting. I can't wait to get hunted because I'm no good at wooing women. And I think that really, well, I think I'd be the better chair and the best husband for you because I've got a huge army. And, you know, I love killing things. I understand that you can set them right back up. So that means that the things that I could only ever hunt and kill once, well, I could just keep doing it again and again if you'd consent to marry me. So I don't see why you wouldn't. Let's just go and try it out. What do you say? She seems to be holding... She she almost she looks as if she's about to speak a couple of times and then stops. She says, "Well, I appreciate your candor and your openness. I think I would like to go hunting with you and see how that goes." Well, that would be a hell of a thing. Now, what is it that you have planned to go hunting because I can run down anything in this valley. It can't escape me. <laughs> I'll kill it. What is it you want to go hunting for? Well, um, lady. Yes? If you uh, remember we had discussed that since the hunt is something that you're inexperienced at, and yet Count Crimson is so experienced at that maybe he would like to uh, allow you to develop as a hunter. Well, that sounds just brilliant. It turns out that you have something to say after all. Good one, fella. Yeah, whatever you want to go hunting for, I'm, I'm happy to find. I'll provide you any game you want. Oh, excellent. Well, then, um, why don't you start out and we'll give you, say, a half an hour's head start and then Ziva will hunt you. Excuse me? Well, yes, you're the greatest hunter of all time, so you must know something about being prey. The camera now goes to Cat Crimson's face as he realizes what he's done. As a noble, he has to keep his word. And now he's just agreed to become prey for her. His face falls, and with it, all of his spirits. The grin on Ziva's face is cold, and her purple eyes are slightly luminous in the dim as her... One of her braids reaches up and adjusts her hat for best effect. Around her shoulders, the uh, feather trim on her jacket reconstitutes itself into something more serpentine which raises an inky black head fixes its cold purple eyes on Count Crimson and sticks out a wiggly purple tongue in the form of a some kind of constrictor snake you don't mean that do you milady so how about a half hour's head start and uh, then we'll send out the beaters my army is still surrounding this place 
I think you have about 29 minutes yet to uh, make this sporting. You son of a bitch. And with that, Crimson realizes that, well, he's got to do what he's got to do. So he turns around and goes bolting out across the lawn. Ugh. Nari goes sneaking out from around the bottom of the stairs where he's been obsequiously kissing the pavement. And when Count Crimson goes in to start harassing on Ziva, as he runs around the corner, we see him from behind, and he is wearing the livery of the Autumn Warlock of House Violet. When the camera cuts around the corner, Count Crimson strides with purpose towards the tent lines that his retinue is setting up around his lodgings in the South Wing. I am going to wreck this army. Please do. I mean, holy shit. I mean, honestly, though. How much damage can an incompetent officer at the very top of a military really do? I can't wait to find out. Runelanders was recorded live and curated by DM Mad Adam. All of the usual people played all of the usual roles, and you can find out more about who they are, who their characters are, and all the little Easter eggs that I scatter through these episodes at runelanders.com. Like what you hear? Tell your friends. If you don't, let us know why. Find us on Twitter at CastTheRunes. Send an email to runelanders at gmail.com or find us on Facebook at Runelanders. Next time on Runelanders, we're going to have some wicked awesome fun. You have to check it out. We're back in two weeks. We'll see you then. I'm DM Mad Adam. And I am DM Good Guy, reminding you to roll high and don't die. Until next time, take good care. Now, Arabet. As you take the dishes off the table and set them in various precarious positions to clear the space, paperwork appears from under chaises and chairs and under the table itself to be assembled into what appears to be a diagrammatic magical plan. This is fairly oogie boogie, so as you lean out and watch the sun kind of hang on the horizon like it does before it rolls around to the other side, here, it literally just rolls around the rim. It never disappears. It doesn't get dark. It just rolls around to the east and comes back over from there. You can see it all night. It's unnerving. And when you turn your attention back and flick your smoke out onto the lawn where it disappears, you see that Caller and Nari have assembled... What the hell is that, a spell book?
Yes, well, it appears that uh, our plan has evolved somewhat. But, uh, apparently, um, Nari's decided that he needs the man's book. His spell book. Oh, this gets interesting. I don't suppose uh, you'd be in any way deterred by the addition of a, an exchange, this book for his, yes? Oh, no. No, I love stealing. 